Now stand aside, worthy adversary. Tis but a scratch. A scratch? Your arm's off. No, it isn't. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Rough Cut Retrospective, episode 122, a podcast where we talk about movies, TV, pop culture, in the midst of a world burning around us. I am your host, a knight who says, me, Carter Sims, and I am joined, as always, by somebody I uh, I fart in his general direction. His mother was a hamster, and his father smelt of elderberries. It's Jackson McCurin. Hello, sir. Coconut sounds. Nice. Well What's done. Up? Great retort. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. I'm we're I mean, we're obviously gonna be discussing Monty Python and the Holy Grail this week, and I am very intrigued yes. to uh, discuss it. Yes, indeed, we are. Um, without spoiling our feelings on the film, this is one of the episodes I'm most excited about because of our own tastes and i'm very Uh excited for the conversation we're gonna get into it in a little bit but uh how you doing are you doing well you watching any basketball over there i haven't started watching the basketball i know there's like championships and stuff going on before Uh, the the march madness kicks off fully um so i've not not checked that stuff out but are are you having fun i bet you're in your element right now yes i've been watching uh basketball all day while attempting to work and uh, it's just a lot of not great teams playing right now. And it's just a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. Team just scored 11 points in the first half of a game I was watching. Today, so just tremendous stuff going on. But uh, are you going to uh, use this little moment to plug your upcoming podcast with a friend of the pod, Cody? Oh, how about I do that? Yeah. Um, yes. Um, as March Madness begins, uh, fellow compadre, friend of the pod, Cody Webb and I, are combining our forces. We're crossing uh, platforms here, and we're doing a March Madness basketball podcast on the side on uh, over at Cody, Cody and Corbin have a podcast. Uh, very excited. We'll be previewing Champions Week, conference championships. Uh, check that out next week. I don't know when that's coming out yet. Uh, I don't release those. The powers that be, meaning Corbin, releases those. So check that out <laughs> when it comes out. Check out Cody and Corbin have a podcast. It will be Fun. We officially have a name for it, Jackson. Our little episode. What is it? It's called Pick and Roll. Oh, that's great. Yeah. I, Ooh, thought I was, love that. It's just wonderful. Corbin made a fun little graphic today. Oh, it's great. You'll have to check it out. That's, um, I'm jealous. I don't even I don't even like sports enough to do a whole podcast on it. I'm jealous of that name. That is the best little thing. I love it. It uh, it came to me in the gym today. That's great. That was just so, when I was in the gym today, Jackson. Uh, anyway. Pick and roll was my only thing I could do in basketball. I was that bad. That's all set, I would do. You were setting the screens and rolling? I was setting a screen every play. That's Atta all. Boy. Human wall. <laughs> Amazing. You were probably getting up all those boards. You were probably into those boards. And speaking of being into things, Jackson, tell me something, Beautiful. boy. Tell me something, boy. What were you into this week, pal? This week, I was into quite a bit of stuff. Um, I'm continuing my Last of Us uh, watch along. We are we just finished episode seven. It was a cool little flashback episode mm-hmm. into Ellie's past. Very, very sad. Um, yeah, really cool. Fun mall episode. Um, you don't know what that means yet, but you should mall. watch it. It's really good. Uh, I'd love to discuss it further with you. You know um, what? I'm gonna start that. Maybe this. You week. should. There's two episodes left. Um, my perfect so yeah. time for me to get in. I love it. Mm-hmm. 
Wonderful. Um, yeah. Then I continued my Oscars binge and I watched the Fablemans this week. Yeah. I was shocked at how much I loved this movie. Yeah. Um, I, uh, wow. Like, I'm not going to lie. I've been like kind of cold on Spielberg lately, just like mm-hmm. of his like newer movies, like West Side Story, objectively like a good movie, but like it wasn't not your bag. Yeah. Not really one I connected with. Like I, I appreciated the technical and like the visual and the music and stuff, but like mm-hmm. it's not going to stick with me. But like Fair. the Fable. Oh, man. Oh, man. I was I was really, really digging it. Um, yeah. Yeah, just like the whole like Seth Rogen acting and Paul Dano and of this the kid who I I don't know his name sadly Gabriel uh something I'll Anyways. I'll do it while you vamp <laughs> yeah so basically like just like their whole fan like everyone in it is so so great I'm kind of sad Paul Dano got snubbed on an Oscar nomination but same but um and honestly Seth Rogen too he was doing a lot with what he what little screen time he had um, Gabriel Labelle. Yeah, he was great. Yeah. And yeah, I just really, really loved the Fablemans. I just love that it was like, I uh, felt, felt like people thought it was going to be a movie about movie making, but really it was just kind of about a movie about family and mm-hmm. the damages of like seeing it through a movie lens and things like that. Yeah. Really, con- really good stuff. I enjoy yeah, it. And like what you're sacrificing for the art and like at what cost does mm-hmm. this do? And like you have these, these great moments with his like, great uncle i think uh-huh. um and he's just basically like if you love it you gotta go for it like screw everybody else like this is about you and it's like oh man like these are these are some high pressures high stakes and it's it's really really well made Big and fan. i share a uh maybe a spoiler to the end of the film of the fablemans um but when i saw it in the theaters i was sitting behind this elderly couple that was seeing mm-hmm. the movie and at the end of the movie Spielberg is working or not Spielberg. I don't even remember what the characters Fableman. Yeah. What's his first name though? Can't oh, remember. I can't remember either. <laughs> Couldn't even remember. That's bad. Uh, anyway, Steven Spielberg character. Yeah. Per se. He's uh, on like the lot. He's working on a lot and he meets mm-hmm. John Ford. Yes. And, um, but they're talking about when he goes in and meets, um, what's his name? JJ Abrams guy. Like, uh, Oh, the uh, dude from Heroes. Yeah, he like meets Star with Wars. him, and he, yeah, and he's like, do, "Do you want to meet the greatest film director alive?" And mm-hmm. then the couple in front of me was like, "Who's it gonna be?" And <laughs> and then the the man leaned over and was like, "What if it's Steven Spielberg?" And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> "That would be awesome! What a moment that would have been!" Um, but yeah, I just had to share that wonderful. If times. the horizon's on the bottom, it's interesting. If the horizon's on the top, it's interesting. If the horizon's in the middle, it's boring as shit. <laughs> great. Just great stuff. Love great it. David Lynch. Love yeah. it. Um, um, but yeah, also I watched uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail, of course. of course. Then I checked out Airplane again, which is one of my oh, favorite. Yeah. So great. Which and we will be covering eventually. Yes. Yes. And uh, finally, there's this little game on my phone called Marvel Snap that I've been playing. And it's a oh, fun yeah. little card game and it's kind of really addicting, but I'm having fun. It's been a good week, though. Nice. Good for you, yeah. man. What about yourself? Uh, for me, uh, I finally checked out After Sun. Speaking of Oscar binges. Oh, nice. 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 Um, finally checked that out. Really sad. Um, mm-hmm. Paul Mescal is great in it. Um I see now why he got the nomination. Just really sad and a really good use of uh, like quote found footage mm-hmm. things. Like yeah. 
looking back. It's told through home videos, right? Yeah. Uh, And like, like partially, like Mm -hmm. you obviously are in, in the time frame of when they're filming the home videos, as well as like looking back at the home videos. And also just a reminder, just to check in on your parents every once in a while. I'll say that. Um, So yeah, it was, it was lovely. I'm I'm excited for Paul Mescal's future because he's going to be in a lot coming up. So cool. Um, then I saw in a totally different vein, cocaine bear this week, Jackson. Woo. Um, it's bad, but like <laughs> it's supposed to be, um, it's just kind of a romp. I wish it was more fun. Honestly. Really? Um, like there are really fun parts. Alden Ehrenreich is kind of a standout. He was yeah. really fun. Um, Margo Martindale was also a joy. Um, but yeah, you know, it was it was it was something. I'll it tell wasn't you what, as much fun as like Megan or something like that. No, Megan was way more fun. I will gotcha. say that. Um, I will say um, this might be a spoiler of the movie. I don't I don't really know, but it's Ray Liotta's final on screen performance. And is that the spoiler? Well, no. <laughs> the spoiler <laughs> is that um, he gets murdered by Cocaine Bear in the film. Cool and. And then the end credits roll and it says in memory of Ray Liotta. And that didn't really sit well with me. Oh, really? Um, after just watching him, him die, die. And then I was like, oh, that's a weird narrative that's happening. So, um, but he was great in it, I guess. But yeah, Cocaine Bears is fun. I'd say it's worth a watch just to go enjoy it. There were some laughs in the theater. Had a good time. Um, and also, I haven't been into this this week yet, but Mandalorian season three is out now. Um, yeah, I noticed it dropped. I have not had the motivation to check it out yet i don't know Nor about have you. i uh have not checked it out um but i hear i hear good things i'm just so lost in the the lore of grogu <laughs> and the mandalorian and the time yeah. frames and things after book of boba fett so i gotta find my nerve to get back into it despite that um yeah but i'll i'll get there i'll get there um and then on top of that i rewatched spotlight this week which is still a banger oh <sighs> Spotlight is such a banger. I don't know. I can't explain why, but it, it is almost a movie. Every time I skip past it, I'm like, ooh, I really want to check this out again. Like, but I, I never can't because it's such a downer. And I'm usually with people, but I'm like, man, True. I want to watch this again. Yeah, it's a, it's just a nice newspaper procedural. It's like one yeah. of the better ones. So I would say it's maybe my favorite one of those types of movies. Yeah, I think I think so. I mean, it's, it's a five star film for me. So it's good stuff. Anyway, that's it. Um, should we get into the conversation, Jackson. Let's do it. Let's go to I'm ready for my close-up. All right, Mr. DeMille, I'm ready for my close-up. And as mentioned in our intro, today we are discussing Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Once in a lifetime, there comes a motion picture which changes the whole history of motion pictures. A picture so stunning in its effect, so vast in its impact, that it profoundly affects the lives of all who see it. One such film is... Very good, thank you. Yes, thank you. Next, please. Once in a lifetime! Oh, for goodness sake, let us do it. Once in a lifetime, there comes a motion picture which changes the whole history of motion pictures. Get on with it. Yes, get on with it! 
back in the cinemas in a special new edition. I told them we already got one. With up to 25% more peril. No, it's too perilous. We are the knights who say... Bring your friends. Carry coconut shells. Wear fancy dress. This isn't my nose, it's a false one. You could even sing along if you like. Right, stop that. You're not going into a song while I'm here. See it again for the first time on the big screen. Your mother was a hamster and your father smelt of elderberry. Or if you've never seen it, see it now for the first time. Or see it for the first time since you last saw it. Or if you're very old or very <laughs> ill, see it for what may be the last time. I'm not dead. I think I, I could pull through, sir. Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Back in cinemas for the first time since the last time. God be praised. Came out in 1975, directed by Terry Gilliam and Terry Jones, who are members of the Python crew. Uh, King Arthur and his Knights of the Round Table embark on a surreal, low-budget search for the Holy Grail, encountering many very silly obstacles. Written by Graham Chapman, Eric Idle, John Cleese, Terry Jones, Terry Gilliam, and Michael Palin, also known as Monty Python. If people don't know who that is, we'll get into who Monty Python is in a bit. Starring everyone I just mentioned in many, many roles. Um, and once again, we will discuss the impact and meaning of Monty Python in terms of American audiences. Uh, we'll get there in a second. But um, Jackson, mm -hmm. this was the first time you watched this movie this week. This was. And can I ask, I usually ask this when we go into Marvel movies, but before you went into it, what did were your initial were you hesitant were you a little skittish about going into it or how did you feel going in i so i mean i didn't like this movie yeah. um going into it i was honestly pretty excited i i was hoping it was going to be uh what everyone describes it as uh -huh. and it just wasn't that i had seen clips of it before mm -hmm. of like some of the stuff we'll get into later, but like the stuff that is like the more famous bits. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, it turns out those are kind of, in my opinion, the, the hits, the hits yeah. and the other stuff is just kind of filler. And which, you know, like was kind of a bummer for me if I'm being completely honest. Fair, 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 fair. Um, um, yeah. Yeah. I'm hoping. So I'll just go ahead and say the first time I watched this was in high school. And this is why I'm most excited about this conversation because I love this movie. Mm -hmm. And I think this might be the first time on a podcast in like a specific movie that we're reviewing that we so polarly deflect each other here. Yeah. And it's going to make a very interesting conversation. But should we try to unpack now why you think you didn't like it? Or, or yeah. what do you think? Let's do Cause, that. Cause, because cause... I am honestly concerned because I don't know why I don't like it. Because you Other like than... a lot of surrealist, satirical exactly. humor. Yeah. So yeah. I wrote a list of things of like, just to be like, I think I like it. I like this type of stuff because I like these. So uh -huh. for absurdist comedies, the reason I watched Airplane this week mm -hmm. um, was because I was so shocked by how much I didn't like this. I was like, well, Airplane's great, right? Like I had to like, I was doubting double myself. check. <laughs> <laughs> and I and like me and Abby were laughing our asses off and she had never seen Airplane before. And she was like, oh, this is great. Yes. And so like I was relieved at least that like 
that still held up for you. My taste still held up. I was uh-huh. like a little concerned. So like, yeah, for absurdist comedies, I really love Airplane. I really love Blazing Saddles. And I was raised on the Naked Gun for some reason. Love Big Leslie movies. Nielsen guy, yes. Big Leslie Nielsen guy. Uh-huh. Um, So like the absurdist part was not a problem for me. Right. I also really like dry British humor. Like I yeah. love like Shaun of the Dead. I love Hot Fuzz. I watched the entire only I think it's only one season, maybe it's two of The Office UK. Yeah, I liked it. Mm-hmm. I liked his other show Extras a lot. And I really like this show called The Inbetweeners. So like, mm-hmm. I think I like the British humor to a certain extent. And then like, I really like the absurdist sketch comedy stuff with like, I think you should leave. Mm-hmm. So I don't understand why this isn't hitting for me other than the fact that like i i don't necessarily think it's like well one i don't think it's super funny Uh but two i don't know if like it's cohesive enough to be considered a movie in my opinion fair or like we'll talk about that in a little bit yeah yeah and i know like that's kind of the point too so like and obviously like I know that this kind of started all of these and like these couldn't exist without it. Like there's no doubt. Yeah. I wonder like just to go off that, I wonder if part of it and correct me if I'm not in the right realm at all. Like if it's just cause like you're see, you've seen the template for success and now you've you've seen the original and like, it's just been better perhaps like it, it's that's been kind of what i'm and, thinking and yeah i've seen and... like i think airplane is like the perfected version or blazing saddles but i think maybe airplane is my pr- preference between those sure. i think airplane is like the perfected version of it mm-hmm. and when i whenever i saw that as a kid like in like i think i saw it in high school also so yeah. like for me that was like the peak time to watch it and the peak version of the thing so now that i'm like a little bit older seeing this i'm not like nostalgic for it and it's like just that's not as good yeah. Um, which kind of sucks because I, I I did really want to like this. So, but yeah. And I I know you did mention in in your in our letterbox reviews where we were kind of going <laughs> at each other when you were like <laughs> you were like theater kids probably love this and like even though you were being antagonistic for funsies, I, I yeah, I was right though. <laughs> like, oh, this is totally like uh like the shitty improv group from your local college like <laughs> fucking loves this movie. Um, Absolutely, because like. You, and I get it. Cause like that's like the dream, right? Like you want to like make this project with a bunch of your comedy buddies, and like, of course, just, yeah. Like, I'm sure it was a blast to make, and I'm sure it's like something like I would love to do that, like with yeah. a bunch of friends. But like, I don't know. You know, I, I just thought I it was know. funny. Like you, you tossed it in our group chat of townies who are primarily theater kids or theater adjacent kids. Yeah, and you got shat on for <laughs> for your hey, tastes. I've seen what makes them cheer. Their booze mean nothing to me. Okay. <laughs> It's okay. Uh, tremendous. Um, so yeah, that could that could be it. And honestly, like it's been said before, but if you don't like a thing, you just don't like a thing. And I get it. Sometimes you can't explain it, and it's just what is itching your scr- or scratching your itch in that time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I totally get it, and I don't hate you for it, but only a little. Thank you. Um, can I say why I chose this movie? Why? Um. Well, first and foremost, well, before I watched it, I knew it was considered one of the best comedies of all time mm-hmm. and really paved the way and sets the template for fourth wall breaking, surrealist, mm-hmm. satirical, just silly comedies for silliness sake, like Airplane being one of them. Yeah. But the next like 50 years, um, I think it still holds up and I think it's really smart and I think it treats audiences like an equal, which I'll get into 
a little bit later in how Monty Python kind of operates, but that's kind of why I picked the movie. And uh, I'm excited to talk in more detail about what we liked mm-hmm. and didn't like. Probably more didn't for you, probably more like for me, sure. um, which is very exciting. So let me first uh, jump into the time capsule for Great Scott. Great Scott. And uh, let Excellent me first. Delivery. Thank you. I thought I was thought it was pretty good. Um, I'll first say that at the box office, Jackson, show me the money! this movie on a budget of $400,000 made. Mm-hmm. That's two, impressive. Yeah, not bad. It Really cheap. Uh, made $2 million <laughs> worldwide. Um, pretty r- r- miraculous stuff there. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the time capsule, Jackson, you know what's happening in 1975? Uh, the band? No, I don't know. <laughs> nice. Any big 1975 fans out there? Let us know. Uh, I probably know one or two songs. Um, Watergate, Jackson, <gasps> going down. I'm not a crook. Nice. Good. Richard Nixon. Thank you. Um, Vietnam also happening. Fun times there. Mm-hmm. Um, Margaret Thatcher, heard of her. She yes. uh, was elected into office. Boo. Uh, boo. Um, Microsoft. That's one everyone founded. hates, right? Yeah. Everyone hates Margaret Thatcher. Yeah. We don't like Margaret Thatcher. Boo. Boo. Um, Microsoft was founded in 1975. Pretty wild. Um, And just for reference, the world population, Jackson, was Mm -hmm. 4 billion people. Are we at like 8 billion now? We're at like 9 billion now, I think, which is ridiculous. 8 or 9, I don't really know. But that's kind of crazy that the population basically doubled in 50 years. So, scary. Um, Top songs at the time. I know you'll know this one. Love Will Keep Us Together from Captain and Tennille. Um, don't know that one yeah also we're we're at like eight billion by the way not nine. Oh, okay gosh well we'll be at nine and probably never because we're all gonna die before then <clears throat> um oh. oh um man jackson earth wind and fire glenn campbell elton john the bgs bowie eagles great Iconic. times remember the hustle jackson the hustle that one boy yep uh, just some other songs on the top billboards, the hustle jive talking. Thank God. I'm a country boy, lady marmalade. And which is applicable to the podcast today. Why can't we be friends? Am I right? <laughs> so, um, right. yes. Um, other films of 1975, Jackson, do you know any? No, we've got, this was the summer of jaws, Jackson. This oh, was, okay. All right. The invention of the blockbuster, the modern day blockbuster. Uh, one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Great of course. movies. Great movies. Dog Day Afternoon, Return of the Pink Panther, which was at the top of the box office this year. Weird Jaws, and of course the Apple Dumpling Gang, which I just decided to sure. throw in because it sounded fun. Um, but this was a fun time at the box office because like Jaws and Cuckoo's Nest and like Dog Day were like at the top of the box office, and that just would not happen today. So mm-hmm. very cool stuff. How did the movie come to be, Jackson? People might be wondering what Monty Python is, right? Um, yeah. My best understanding is I, I just assumed it was kind of like the, the the Marx Brothers, like they like Duck Soup or whatever, and it was kind of like their own sketch group. Am, yes. I, am I right? So they they came to, all these people came together as, as school friends and they started a series called Monty Python's Flying Circus. Which uh, which ran for five years on the BBC from 1969 to 1974, and it was basically what you might consider, you know, the modern day 
Saturday Night Live for Britain. Mm-hmm. It's British cool. surreal sketch comedy series written and created by all these stars, collectively known as Monty Python or the Pythons for short. Um, and the series kind of stands out for its use of, if you've ever seen this movie or anything, Python, absurd situations mixed with risque and innuendo-laden humor, a lot of sight gags and a lot of observational sketches without punchlines, which has a lot of that in Monty Python as well. Um, The program came about because the six Pythons, as I mentioned, met each other through university and various radio and television programs in the 60s, and they wanted to make a new sketch comedy show. Unlike anything on the British TV at the time, when much of the humor in the in the episodes and sketches targets like idiosyncrasies of British life, which could be a reason why some of this doesn't hit as hard for us, because a lot of it is about like the idiosyncrasies of British life, mm-hmm. and especially that of like professionals and like pol- politicians and things like that. Um, their comedy is often pretty intellectual, with like a lot of references to like philosophers and literary figures in their works, like. As dumb and silly as they are, they're actually very well read and well studied and well researched, which will come up later on this movie. They did a ton of research for the Arthurian legend and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the team just wanted their humor to be impossible to categorize and some would say succeeded or by their perspective failed be so completely because the adjective Python-esque was invented to define it. <laughs> so kind of a catch-22 there. So that's just Monty Python and how they came to be. And in terms of the Holy Grail, uh, in January of 73, they started to write the first draft of the screenplay. Um, Half of the material was set in the Middle Ages and half was set in the present day. Uh, Don't really know how that would work other than there's scenes of like a police officer and uh, (laughs) investigating the murder of a historian that explains things in the movie. Yeah. uh, and then um, by the fourth or fifth draft, the story was complete and the cast joked that the fact that the grail was never retrieved would be a big letdown and, quote, a great anti-climax, um, which definitely happens in the movie. We can talk about the ending later because there's some things there. Um, the movie was directed by first-time directors Terry Gilliam and Terry Jones of the troupe. Um, Terry Gilliam would later go on to become an Oscar-nominated screenwriter. Uh, for the Ooh. movie Brazil, um, which is like a really weird surrealist movie starring Jonathan Price, and he would go on to direct The Fisher King too, which was a Robin Williams film. And uh, actually, I'll talk about the funding of the movie later because I think that's interesting in trivia facts. Um, but the success of this film would lead to films such as The Life of Brian and The Meaning of Life, which are all by Python standards they think The Life of Brian is their best work, while many consider The Holy Grail to be their best work. And of course, Spam a Lot, the musical 2005, which, yes, Jackson, theater kids love that musical. All right, J- Jackson. Yeah. Your list might be the shortest. Let's go on to You Did It. You did it. Congratulations. What works in the movie for you? Yeah. So I think what really works for this movie is um, basically any technical aspect of this movie. I actually really like. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned the budget being four hundred thousand dollars, which I think is really impressive considering like how good the costuming and set design uh is. <laughs> yeah, they um basically use all real practical castles yeah. and sets and things like that. And when yeah. they don't, they joke about it. 
So. And they use miniatures and like they joke about it and stuff like yeah. that. And then also I really, really liked the mixed media approach where they have like this weird like art style and like the stuff that they couldn't budget out to like oh, the animation giant stuff. practical stuff. Yeah, the animated stuff is very cool and like really, really fun. Actually, like for like uh the the flying circus on the BBC, that mm-hmm. was kind of used uh, to like transition from sketch to sketch like that would just cool. be okay. filler that they would do for that so yeah that kind of is a some one of their signatures yeah so yeah, yeah that is really cool i like that a lot uh-huh is that it <laughs> yes <laughs> okay but um, i, I, I want to hear what you love about this movie more importantly okay um i want to start here before i get to where i want to go i want to okay. start how in the 70s right Mm-hmm. There's a lot of serious and risky cinema going on that like took itself very seriously. A lot of mm-hmm. auteur work, like trying to like get really deep messages in there and like just have important messages behind their movie. Um, so when the opening credits hit set to like this really dramatic, like foreboding music with these irrelevant Swedish subtitles talking about like yeah. mooses and stuff. Uh <laughs> And I think it like does a perfect job of upending any expectations that anyone in the seventies would have going into a theater where no single element in the movie is allowed more than a second of seriousness before like getting a pie in the face. So I think first and foremost, that Holy Grail is like an assault on like the self-importance of cinema in the seventies itself. And that's where I first like it because it doesn't take itself too seriously. And it reminds people in the seventies to not take all this shit too seriously. Mm -hmm. Um, Even though some of our favorite movies from the seventies are the movies that take itself too seriously, but you can always go to the other end as well. So I really like that with the opening credits of, uh, you know, one of the, one of the opening credits is like a disclaimer from Robert M. Nixon in the opening credits. Yeah. Um, Talks about a, a moose bit, his sister, all this moose stuff. And then, uh, a lot of moose humor. You have so to check firing the credits people and then like firing the people who fired the credits yep. people. Yeah, really setting the tone. And then it's hit to like this dramatic drums. And I, I really enjoy that. Um, as we mentioned, it's like seeing the template for success. Uh, and it's been like repeated and tweaked and challenged and totally paid homage to over and over again. Like Saturday Night Live began airing later in 75. Uh, later that year with uh, basically a lot of inspiration from the pythons, like some of that early S I don't know if you've watched early SNL sketches, but they're kind of brutal to get through because I think they were really trying to Americanize Monty Python and they couldn't find the footing. Um, And they were just really, really long and Python was great at doing that. Um, So, and it basically, yeah, set the tone for all subsequent films that would like break the fourth wall um, holds a great debt to that as well. Um, so I want to talk about the absurdist stuff. Um, Python's like greatest strength is the ability to take a joke just an inch too far into absurdity. Like you could probably agree for better or worse. The jokes go on way longer than they should in the movie. Yeah. And I think in theory, like it's supposed to be like, again, I feel like it's been perfected a little bit now. Like it's Uh supposed to go on like to the point where it's funny again, but for some reason it just doesn't do that for me. And I Uh think maybe they like the fact that it doesn't do that for me. I can't explain it, but I know they love that. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, they probably, yeah, they love that you're just like, ooh, I don't like it. Then that, that yeah. brings them such pleasure. Um, but it just like sets the template for abject silliness mm-hmm. and that things can just be silly and wisecracking. This scathing satire of like British politics and that would later get adopted by like South Park and the Simpsons and the office. Even I think you should leave all these things. We, I don't think we would have if we didn't have Monty Python and like the works of Mel Brooks and Leslie Nielsen. And even like the, for better or worse, the, like the scary movie parody franchise, which (laughs) I think has probably run this shit to the ground is probably the lowest quality of this form. Um, But I just want to mention a bunch of people influences and kind of why this movie stands out to me um the creator of the simpsons matt grenig said that he was influenced by python's high velocity sense of the absurd and not stopping to explain yourself which is what i really like about this movie because it doesn't really belittle the audience by waiting for you to laugh it kind of pushes on and challenges you to keep up and it kind of treats you with respect and thinks you're a smart audience member where as opposed to like a lot of modern day comedies that will definitely pause for that laugh and pause for the like yeah like all the sitcoms and stuff yeah and then when it doesn't happen like you've seen all the videos like with without the laugh track track it's it's so painful and it's it's tough so they just like plow through for better or worse whether you're laughing or not and if you miss anything it's just this little small intricacy and it's just really uh, impressive that way i do respect Um, that like i think that is like a good attribute for a comedy to have yeah for sure um and then anyone from like mike myers quotes like austin powers is completely alive because of python sasha baron cohen we mentioned simon Pegg in the edgar wright films um the one that really sticks out to me is what tina fey said about about like sketch endings and she said sketch endings are overrated their key like python's key was to do something as long as it was funny and then just stop and do something else, which I think is the reason like that you don't like the it doesn't feel like a cohesive movie at times because they just do mm-hmm. a bit and then they just move on to the next one and they don't really care about the transition. Yeah. Or anything. I think they get better at that with Life of Brian a little bit, but um, it's just kind of the, the whole thing just feels like a really long sketch comedy show, which could be to its detriment if you're looking for a cohesive movie at times, mm-hmm. which you don't really get in this movie, which I will give you that. Um, and then finally, just they did a lot of research. Um, like they became like, I can't remember if it was Terry Jones or Terry Gilliam, but like became an actual scholar of Arthurian literature. And That's so cool. even the like really dumb things have some truth behind them. Like I'll get to some of that in the trivia later, but I think it, and then like some professor was quoted that like Monty Python's flawed contemporary grail quest helps students better comprehend both the complexities and sublimity of the Arthurian legend, which I thought was kind of cool. That's definitely a reach, but uh, (laughs) pretty cool. Um, And yeah, I just like the sketch feel. I like watching people play multiple roles and I eat that shit up. I think it's it's really funny. And uh, this is definitely my, my, my vibe of humor. So I'll get off of that. And uh, we can move on to uh, uh, favorite scene, Jackson, which you might not have very many. So I'll start with you because I have a lot. <laughs> yeah, I just have two that I, one that like I think is like the really classic one that I was introduced to and was kind of expecting like this kind of 
not necessarily quality or whatever, but like just kind of like the similar stuff, which was like the Black Knight fight, mm-hmm. where of course, like he just keeps getting chopped up and he's like, Come on, like let's keep going. And he's like, No, and he, I don't want to fight you anymore. Like I thought that bit was like really, really good. Um, just a flesh wound. Yeah, just a flesh wound, which is my favorite quote, I think, of the entire nice uh movie, probably. Um, yeah, I really, really liked that. I also really enjoyed of one that I hadn't seen before. I think one of the stronger ones was the riddle bridge where like you have this like guy come out here and he's like, Oh, you have to answer my questions. And like the first guy gets the really easy questions. And the second one gets a tough one and he gets thrown into the river or whatever. The capital of Assyria. What is your favorite color? Blue. Right. Off you go. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. That's easy! Stop! Who approaches the bridge of death must answer me these questions three. Uh, the other side he see. Ask me the questions, bridgekeeper. I'm not afraid. What is your name? Sir Robin of Camelot. What is your quest? To seek the Holy Grail. What is the capital of Assyria? I don't know that! Yeah, and then, like, you have the other guy who comes up and gets the easy question again of, like, what his favorite color is, but he answers that wrong because he second guesses himself. And goes, I don't blue. know. No, yellow. <laughs> yeah, and, like, I thought that that stuff was pretty pretty funny. And um, then and then it all comes all comes together, kind of, because then he asks the airspeed of a swallow. And he's like, yeah, do you mean which an African swallow? Or yeah. he's like, I don't know. And then he gets tossed into the, oh, yeah, that's yeah. good stuff. It's, that is a good That is a good callback to a kind of nonsensical uh, bit. Nonsensical bit earlier. <laughs> um, and, yeah. But yeah. I like at the end of that bit, too, when they cross the bridge and Lancelot's getting arrested for the murder of that historian. Good <laughs> stuff. Um, I'm just going to rattle off a few because um, I almost wrote the entire movie. Uh-huh. I'm, not, I'm not sorry about it. I mentioned like when we were texting in our group chat that like if you're not laughing at the coconut bit, then you're not gonna like the movie. And you weren't laughing at the coconut bit, I, so I get I it. I didn't laugh at the first because I, I remember going into it. I was like, oh yeah, there's like no horses in this. Like I remember that being like an attribute of this. Yes, so I wasn't like shocked by it, which I think is like kind of the point a little bit. Like like if you already know it going into it, like the bit doesn't hit as good. Fair, but very I, fair. I did chuckle when more people joined, they got more people with more coconuts. I thought that part was pretty good. I'll and give you that. stuff where they're like have to at the towards the end when they get to the cave and then they're hitting their they're hitting their coconuts really quick. They're like, oh they're getting unsettled, my lord. <laughs> and then they have to dismount to go further. Oh uh, yeah. good stuff. Um, so yeah, I love the coconut bit at the beginning. Where did you get those coconuts talking about how like did you are you saying coconuts migrate? And all the bits about swallows, which Matt was teasing you about, like how could you not laugh about the swallows? Where'd you get the coconuts? We found them. Found them? In Mercia, the coconuts tropical. What do you mean? Well, this is a temperate zone. The swallow may fly south with the sun, or the house martin or the plover may seek warmer climes in winter. Yet these are not strangers to our land. Are you suggesting coconuts migrate? Not at all. They could be carried. What? A swallow carrying a coconut? It could grip it by the husk. It's not a question of where he grips it. 
It's a simple question of weight ratios. A five-ounce bird could not carry a one-pound coconut. Well, it doesn't matter. Will you go and tell your master that Arthur from the Court of Camelot is here? Listen, in order to maintain airspeed velocity, a swallow needs to beat its wings 43 times every second, right? Please! Uh, talking about like, a five-ounce bird cannot carry a one-pound coconut. And then the second guy shows up. It could be an African swallow. And just examples of how the bit just keeps going and you don't think it's going to end. Mm-hmm. It sets the tone for what you're going to get later. Um, I like Bring Out Your Dead. I like that bit, too. I, I also did like that bit. That was pretty good. <laughs> The guy's like, I'm not dead yet. He's like, I feel happy. And then he just hits the guy in the head, kills him. Um, And then Arthur runs through and he's like, he must be a king. He hasn't got shit all over him. Great stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, The autonomous collective talking with the, the mud people about uh different forms of government. I that think- was interesting with like the context of like the monarchy and, and stuff like that. And the Margaret Thatcher sure. of it all. Yeah. Too, which is interesting. Um. That's one of my favorite quotes, which I'll get to in a little bit. But uh, just the talks of poking fun at the government and like class repression and things like mm-hmm. that. I thought that was really fun. Um, you talked about the Black Knight, so that's good. I like the whole bit about the logic puzzle of is this woman a witch or not? Uh, yeah. <laughs> and then it just ends up like, like, because it's so absurd. And then like they do weigh the same. It's like, oh, yeah, she definitely is a witch then. And it's like, all right. Yeah, they try to, and they're like, why do witches burn? Because they're made of wood. And what does wood do? It floats. What else floats? A duck. And if she weighs the same as a duck, she's a witch. And then they measure her and she does. She does. <laughs> she's like, well, that's fair. And then they just run off. And then it's never heard of again. And then the bit's over. It's great. Um, Being the theater kid I am, I like the Knights of the Round Table musical number a lot. They have this whole musical number, and then they're just like, now nah, let's not go to Camelot. It's silly. Uh, complete waste of time, and I love that. Um, and then I love the quests that each one goes on. There's the the uh, the Sir Robin, Not Afraid to Die. That song is really funny. Yeah, that was pretty. And then he like runs away, and they, like it's like how he how he's a chicken and all yeah. that stuff. Um, maybe your least favorite scene is the castle, the French castle. I really hated that scene, <laughs> if I'm being honest. Uh, I think it was funny at all, and I I tried so hard to like it. I think it definitely, that's probably one that does go on a little too long. Um, but I like all the bits of the Trojan rabbit, and then they don't get in the rabbit, and they fling cows at them. Um, but some of the best quotes come from this scene that I mentioned at the top, that your mother's a hamster and your father smelt of elderberries. Just so random. Uh, and I love that stuff. Um, I like the the historian that shows up, and it's like that was history, a great bit history for schools. And then he gets killed yeah. by a knight <laughs> coming it's, by. It is a great bit, and then I think they run that one too far, and it becomes <laughs> not good. Which when sucks the, when the police show up and they're discussing investigating. Yeah, the like at the, I mean, we'll talk about that for what could have been better. But like, yeah, we the first couple times they do it, I think it's really good. Yeah. I agree. Um, I enjoy the knights who say knee too. They want a shrubbery. <laughs> Did you not like the knights of knee? That was my least favorite one. I think actually, <laughs> I didn't get it. I was like, this is so stupid. That's the point. I know <laughs> it was. So it dumb. was not fun. It was. And, I was. I was then, painfully staring at the TV for that one. And then for some reason, they can't say the word it out of nowhere. And oh, uh, great stuff. Um. 
Yeah, those are probably all the ones. The Bridge of Death is definitely a standout. I just like the convention of they get to the cave and it's a rabbit and uh, they get the holy hand grenade. Yeah. Did, did you know this is where the holy hand grenade was from? I didn't actually. I've I've heard of it and like a bunch of stuff. Like it's in like video games yeah. um, and in stuff like that too. Games, yeah, like it is that. in the Worms games. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think I knew about the rabbit that it came from this, even though I hadn't seen that scene before too, because I think it's like, an actual like thing in Minecraft, like you can get a rabbit that's like evil and will bite you and stuff. And it's from this game. Yeah, you can. Or from this from this movie. Great, great stuff. Um and then I like when they're in the cave, just the, the dumb bit where the animator has a heart attack and the monster's not following them anymore. Yeah. Good sure. good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's all that's all I got. I like the little journeys they go on. I like the swamp castle where Lancelot just like murders everybody for no reason. The shot of when he's running at the castle, and it's the same shot like four or five times. Oh, mm-hmm. uh, this is all the stuff I love and all the stuff you hate. So I'll get off of it now. Um all right, I'll let you cook. In Houston, we have a problem. Houston, we have a problem. Jackson, what could have been better for you? I mean, I don't even know how to like <laughs> all of it. <laughs> yeah, because like for me, I have in all caps. It's painfully unfunny. This is so subjective to me. If I wanted to like make it better, it wouldn't be what it is. Like for because for me, it just like does not work. And that's um, totally fair. I think I think we I'm, can I'm agree kinda... on one thing though when we get to it. Here. What? Oh, okay. Um, I think for like the plot through line issue, I mm-hmm. think the reason I struggled with that is because going into it, I thought it was just like a regular movie. comedy movie. Yeah. So for it to then be like, oh, it's just kind of a sketch show. I was like, this is weird. Like this was not, it wasn't hidden like I thought it would because of that. It's when you have um, certain expectations about a thing and then it doesn't do the thing. Yeah. And you're disappointed. I get that. Totally. Like if, if, if this was broken down into like, and I think you should leave format where it's just like sketch move, sketch move. And like, it's at like, I mean, obviously it wasn't advertised, but like, I don't know if I knew it was like a sketch show, I think I would be way more forgiving to it, even though I would think it's still not super funny. So you should just watch flying circus is what it sounds like. Maybe I feel like I would maybe <laughs> like that better. Um, And then like the one thing that like really bothered me was the bit that I, f- I loved, which was the police investigation. Uh-huh. Then it like that. It just ends the movie by like arresting him and like, yeah. They- and it's like, oh, yeah, right. this is where we can kind of agree because like I get that it's an anticlimax. Yeah. But a lot of them have quoted like now that like they don't like the way they ended the movie and they just like they did it that way because they didn't know how to end the movie. So I get it. It's a little just like. Like, I don't like that. Like, it's the French person again. I don't like that. Like, that was like that they came back. I know you really didn't like that, probably. Yeah. Um. And like, and a lot of it was because like the military comes out of nowhere and they didn't have the money to shoot this big battle scene. So they just ended the movie. So a part of it was about con- production, but I think they could have solved it somehow. And but... it's weird too. Cause like, I don't think I needed like a big, like army fight. Like it could have just been another final sketch and like, that would have been fine. It was just so weird. Yeah. And then like, too, like, like, like you mentioned, like how they were kind of, making the blueprint for like a lot of the fourth wall breaks whenever they would do it it like never really landed for like i knew that it was like a fourth wall break and like that that's what they were trying to do but like like i think at first i first really noticed it during the bit where sir greg no galahad uh-huh. um 
because I love the Green Knight. I was like, man, I wish I was just watching that instead. <laughs> um, he goes to like that kingdom of Castle Green Anthrax. Maybe? Yes. Um, <laughs> and like at one point, they're just like, oh, is this bit going good? I think this part is quite good. And then it just cuts to people who we haven't seen yet being like, get on with it. <laughs> yeah. And it, and, like, I don't know. Maybe this is just an editing issue for me. If maybe they only showed people we've already seen, I'd be, I'd like that better. But I was sure. like, who the hell are these people? And then it's like, <laughs> at the very end, you see like that big group shot. And it's like, oh, okay. Like, uh-huh. I guess. And I you, see, you see, you uh, see Tim, the enchanter. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah <laughs> they yeah, call yeah, me yeah. Tim. <laughs> but I don't know. That's just like another like small yeah. nitpick. Um, uh, completely. Well, we'll finish the nitpicks. And I completely forgot to do favorite quotes. So we can go back up to that. Um, totally. But, um, yeah, kind of with a castle anthrax, I like that whole bit, but Python does have a rough relationship with women and how they treat them in their comedy. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think the the bit was like inappropriate or like, I don't think um, it was offensive or anything offensive at all, but it was just like, and then they're just like, oh yes. And then you get to spank us and then the oral sex and you're like, oh my, we're taking this somewhere. Um, that could have been a little a little better. But yeah, the the fourth wall breaking stuff. I'll agree. It was kind of weird in that moment. I think it's better suited later mm-hmm. in the movie. Um, but but yeah. I also like the names of all the the women. I wrote them all down. There's uh there's Midget, which doesn't work anymore, but uh there was Midget, Crapper, Dr. Winston, and Dr. Piglet. And of course, there was Zoot and her sister Dingo. Just wonderful stuff. Um that was my main qualm was the ending. <laughs> Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, can we hop back up to uh favorite quote? Yeah, a, what, what's your favorite? Oh, I have a few written down. Um, but you mentioned some of them. You mentioned the flesh wound and tis mm-hmm. but a scratch. Um, is that is that your favorite? Tis but a fl- is it's only a just flesh a, wound? Yeah, just a flesh wound is my nice. favorite, probably. Look, you stupid bastard! You've got no arms left. Yes, I have. Look, just a flesh wound. Wonderful. Um. The first one I have is strange women lying in ponds, distributing swords is no basis for a system of government. Supreme executive power derives from a mandate from the masses, not from some farcical aquatic ceremony. I like that. Um, I mentioned at the top, I fart in your general direction, all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a question of where he grips it. It's a simple question of weight ratios. A five ounce bird cannot carry a one pound coconut. Wonderful stuff. And then, of course, Ugh, I'm just gonna, I, I hated that. I'm just going to say that to you all the time now. Ugh. I also I like, I also like in the, um, I don't remember what it's called. The bit where like the prince is in the swamp land and he's like, one day this will all be yours. And he's like, what the curtains? Oh yes. Okay. I do. I did really like that father son bit like that they were doing. I thought that stuff was really funny. When he keeps saying his name wrong, he's like, yeah, I'm its son. Yeah. That was fun. I thought they were good. Wonderful. See, we found some common ground. Love sure. It. Okay. Um, let's go to You Like Me. And I can't deny the fact that you like me right now. You like me. Um, so Jackson, no, I wonder if this is the is this the first one we've done uh, other than super bad, probably. No Oscars, uh-huh. nominations, wins, anything like that. It is the top rated movie on IMDB top two fifty, number one forty seven on that ranking. Um, okay. Spam a lot won best musical at the Tonys in 2005. Theater cool. Kids Rise. Um, 
So yeah, there's no really awards to talk about. So we can just give out our golden odies and our squeakers, Jackson. Sweet. Um, golden odie, who are you giving it to? So I am giving it, I have two golden odies for okay. best costuming and best set design. Oh, nice. I did not give any performances. They were great. <laughs> Super fun, I guess, but just not funny enough to to get a prestigious golden Odie from me. Fine, fine, fair, fair. Um, I'm giving golden Odies for performances. I'm giving one to Graham Chapman, who kind of has to play the straight man for the entire movie mm-hmm. uh, as King Arthur. And uh, there's some uh, background stuff that we'll get about the production with him involved as well that I'll talk about in a little bit. Okay. And then I have such a soft spot for Eric Idle. He's my favorite of the Pythons. Mm-hmm. And um, I just think he's a lot of fun in every bit that he's in. Um, he's like more of the musical one. He definitely wrote, he basically wrote Spam a lot, like converted that from uh, the film to the stage. So I just like him a lot. So I'll give the golden Odie for that. I'll give a screenplay Odie too, uh, for fun. Now, would it be an adapted screenplay or original? It's based on Arthurian legend. Hmm. I don't know. That's a tough one. Also, I, I do have a question. Is of course. Is the Disney version the one where the stone, like the sword and the stone, like is that from that? Like is that a Disney thing? Oh, that's a sword and the stone's a Disney thing. Um But is that not the same like because that's the same character, right? It might think it's I think so. I guess I'm not too clean on my Arthur legend i think so i think that's the same so, thing because so the, the original we don't have that is like a prequel to this movie because he already has excalibur in this yeah. movie technically I so guess. yeah so they don't explore and in this they talk about how it's like a lady in a swamp gave him the sword or whatever yes correct so i, I was just curious like if you knew like which one was like the actual oh i guess i don't know i don't know i don't know um, either i am going to assume that it's the lady in the swamp just because they did a lot of research, but I don't know. Cause then the sword in the stone could be a whole let maybe. It, I, I don't know. You've stumped me. Um, cool. You did it. Um, You've fallen into a bridge now or into uh, the water or whatever. The bridge of death. My favorite color is the bridge blue. of death. No yellow. Um, okay. Squeakers. <laughs> Take the floor. Okay. I have two awards, okay. one being the most British movie in parentheses derogatory. <laughs> and also it won a squeaker for the most nose exhales. <laughs> okay. Would you call those squeaks? Did you no, ever no, verbally do a little huh, or just was it all just I, I gave a couple hints, but it was mostly <laughs> That's all it was. Yeah. So. Bummer. <laughs> um, squeaker you? for me. Um, I'm just going to give a squeaker to the women. Um, Ooh. Yeah. Because um, I'm just going to say it in this instance. I think it would have been funnier if the men were playing the women. I think they would have added to oh, it. Oh, actually, yeah. I kind of like that. Yeah. Because they, they do that at times. Uh, they did it once like with the woman in the mud when they're talking about the the systems of government. Yeah. Uh, I thought it would have been a little funnier and would have hit a little harder, but that's all. Um, surely you can't be serious. Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. Speaking of airplane and surrealist comedy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, got some trivia facts for you. Um, I'll start here. Um, I mentioned that the movie did not have a lot of money for production. Um, and funding for this movie 
primarily came from people such as Led Zeppelin, uh, Genesis, and uh, funds earned by Pink Floyd's album, The Dark Side of the Moon, went towards funding this movie. How? The bands were such fans of the show that they would halt recording sessions to watch Monty Python's Flying Circus. So they gave their money to Monty Python. That's really and cool. I got to say, that is pretty interesting. It's pretty cool. And same for like Life of Brian. I can't mm-hmm. remember which Beatle it was. I think it was George Harrison that primarily funded that movie for the production of that movie. So they had a lot of help along the way just from famous people that really enjoyed their humor. So I thought that That's was kind of cool. cool. That yeah. is cool. Um, we mentioned the famous depiction of galloping horses by using coconut shells, um, which was, of course, like a traditional radio show sound effect, which is kind of an mm-hmm. homage to that. But that came about purely for practical reasons that they could not afford horses, real horses. <laughs> so that makes sense. They just got coconuts, which I thought was fun. Um, let's talk about the French people, Jackson. Um, the French tactic of pelting Arthur and his knights with livestock is actually relative to a modern legend of a medieval siege of the fortified southern French town of Carcassonne. And said to have been near starvation, the townspeople used the last of their food to pelt the besieging army to convince them, suffering likewise, that the town was well stocked with food and that the siege was hopeless. And the tactic was successful and the siege was lifted. (laughs) Cool. So fun historical context. Um, In the killer rabbit scenes, uh, a real white rabbit was used. He was dyed white. um, uh, Sorry, he was dyed with red and they assumed that the liquid was washable. And then when filming wrapped, the rabbit's owner was like pissed because the dye would not come out of the rabbit. Oh no. And it was like a movie rabbit who could never get cast again. Yeah. Um, they, Terry Gilliam says in like the audio commentary of the movie that the owner of the rabbit was present and shooting was like abruptly halted while the cast desperately tried to clean the rabbit before the <laughs> owner found out. That's awesome. I um, love that. And it failed. So yeah, that rabbit was stained red for the rest of its life. Um, oh, no. Do you think but- they had to like pay the owner like probably like, all the stuff that it couldn't be in for future projects <laughs> oh kind of got reparations yeah maybe and i this was before like PETA was big and too so i bet like they would have probably i was thinking about this too because like there are like they throw like actual like obviously like, most of the livestock is not actually being thrown like they're not actually hitting <laughs> yeah. cats and stuff but there are some real chickens going flying that they definitely tossed which i thought oh was yeah definitely <laughs> Which is which is tough. Um, and obviously they used a puppet rabbit for some of the stuff when it's flying yeah, yeah, yeah. back and forth. Um, I thought that stuff was just like really cute. And, <laughs> when and he good. bites like his head off. Yeah, that stuff like, was fun. That, that stuff was good. They're like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, man. Um, this movie was screened at Cannes Film Festival, Jackson. Okay. And uh, the audience laughed at the opening credits. However... The projector stopped and the audience roared with laughter, thinking it was part of the movie. But it turned out that there was a bomb scare and the firemen came in and made everyone in the cinema go outside. And they all thought it was like part of the part of the bit. But it wasn't, which is awesome. That's interesting. Um, The uh, the photograph like animation of God that's used Mm -hmm. when God's talking to Arthur and his knights uh, is a famous 19th century English cricketer, W.G. Grace. Cool. Not even God, just a cricketer. Um, the Black Knight was first played by John Cleese. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when Arthur cuts off the first leg, a real one-legged actor was used. Uh, oh, okay. He was a local silversmith. And 
on again on the DVD commentary, Terry Gilliam reveals that a marionette was used to film the shot of the second leg being cut off. But he jokes that using the one-legged silversmith for the shot of the night with no legs saved work since they only had to dig one hole for the leg instead of two. Because he just stood Fantastic. in the ground in a hole. That's that's great. So just just really fun random stuff. Um, so Graham Chapman, this one's kind of sad because he suffered from acrophobia, which was trembling and bouts of forgetfulness due to alcoholism. So he was a big alcoholic oh, during I thought this was gonna be like a fun fear that we can laugh about. No, this is not fun. This is very serious. <laughs> um but it gets better because like it well so it prompted him to refrain from drinking while the production went on to just remain on an even keel. And then three years later he would uh get sober. Nineteen seventy seven he achieved sobriety. Good for him. Um he is though he I mean because of all of it and the the health issues he was the he is the only member of the Python crew that has passed away. So rip to Graham Chapman. He died uh, a long time ago, but yes. Um, The theatrical release contains 527 jokes, including 42 in the opening credits for an average of one joke for every 10 and a half seconds, Jackson. That's a hat on a hat right there. That joke to laugh ratio for me must be one of the most atrocious (laughs) ones I've ever witnessed. You're not in the test audience. That's for sure. Definitely not. Um, and finally, for the Japanese release, Monty Python and the Holy Grail translates to Monty Python and the Holy Sake Cup. Great. There you go. Um, Bechtel test, Jackson, does it pass? No. No, not even close. <laughs> um, the Rick Dalton meme test, Jackson? I'm going to say no, because I think they should technically have to say Monty Python. I agree with you. And I that didn't so. happen. That did not happen. So a no there as well. Um, good date movie, Jackson. No, for you guys, right? No, Abby <laughs> hates this movie. Um, I saw her letterbox review. It just said "ug." <laughs> yeah, she she um she hated this movie before. She hated it on the rewatch, and she's seen the the spam a lot one at IU Auditorium, and she also hated that, despite being a theater kid. Dang. Okay. Outliers. I, I like it. I know. Um, Jackson, anything we missed before we dive into Lissa's life or things like that? Any final thoughts no. on our contentious differing points? Um, I definitely respect it a little bit more, but it still gets the two stars that I gave it because that was factoring in an assumed historical importance within Fair. the comedy. Fair. Um, but yeah, I, I still did not love it. Totally fair. I think once again, it's okay to say that if you don't like things, it's okay. Sometimes you don't like things and sometimes you do. And I wonder if any of the ones that I haven't seen on the list that you've put up for the top 100 that I'll really not like, we'll just have to see. But uh, I think this is our first example of differing tastes and we still did it. We had a nice conversation about it. Oh, totally. So wonderful stuff. Jackson, let's move on to... The list is life. The list is an absolute good. The list is life. And we're going to hop over to the RCR top 100. I'm assuming I know where you want this to be. Last place. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> I, gu- uh, I guess. I mean, I'm sorry. I like- 
I like that the two are like I I'm fine with Monty Python and Superbad being the bottom because I think in my mind that like it's just like it's just comedies right like mm-hmm. I don't think they hold a as strong a weight as they should in our minds. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's like no great like modern comedies right now. Like the the movie industry is reflecting how audiences feel about comedies in general. I think. Yeah, I think so. Um, man, that kills me to put it 19. Can we at least put it at 18? No, no. Okay. I fucking love super bad. All right. I'll, <laughs> and you like it too. I do, but I like Monty Python more, but, but I hate Monty Python. I get it. We, we got to meet super bad. We got to meet in the middle. I understand. So we'll put I'm it. I'm so sorry 19. to do this to you, but my hands are tied. That's all right, man. We compromise here at the rough cut <laughs> retrospective. And you know what? At the end of the day, it's just a silly list. Yeah but it means so much to me. Okay. Um, <laughs> wonderful. Out of 19, we're only one away from doing our little re uh, reshuffling around. So very exciting there. Um, nothing new in the actor list. None of the Python crew have uh, made their way into any of the movies we have covered as not well. Unless Shrek 2 is on our list, which it isn't. It is not. But check out our great Shrek debate. Uh, that is check, a great episode. Uh, go check out that episode. Uh, if you're feeling some John Cleese action, which by the he's way, annoying by the he's way, he's kind of an asshole. Which yeah, uh, I saw an article about him complaining about cancel culture, and yeah. based off of the one thing that I saw of his, there's not even anything to complain about. He's just whining to whine. What a yeah. baby! He is kind of a baby. And then on the flip side, another reason why I love Eric Idle, he's like on the complete opposite side of the fence yeah. there, where he's like, yeah, people anti woke comics are assholes, basically. So. Yeah, like and it's it. you know it's interesting too because like I was I was thinking about this the other day, right? Because like comedy is very like counterculture, definitely. And yeah. I feel like the wrong people who just like don't get comedy right now are people who think being anti woke is the counterculture, and it's like just not, you know? It's just completely off base. Yeah, yeah. Like it's like I don't know. Like all the like, I don't know. Did you see that Roseanne? uh stand up on that debuted on like fox news or whatever no oh my, oh my but god it was a roseanne stand up on fox news let me tell you <laughs> oh, the pronoun there was many pronoun jokes oh of course about kiss my ass or my pronouns and stuff like that and it's just yuck like, yuck holy shit man That's this hilarious is hilarious stuff leak wow. um but yeah i don't know well it's fun um okay jackson are you feeling lucky you could ask yourself questions do I feel lucky? Well, do you, punk? I'm feeling lucky. Okay, so we're going to skip picking a movie um, mm-hmm. because we're going to go on like a three-week strand here where we're not going to talk about a list from the top 100, um, which we'll get to in a little bit, what we're going to cover. But instead, we're just going to hop right over to our Hall of Fame for this week, Jackson. All right. So to recap from last week, Jeff Goldblum took down Philip 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 Seymour Hoffman. His friends called him Philip. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, and so this is his second week. If he survives this, he'll go on to the next round. And if he wins that, he will be inducted into the Hall of Fame. Um, but first, he must go. He must go up against Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> um. Hmm. Okay, these are two very, very. Did you have a stroke there, Carter, or were you no. doing a Sylvester Stallone? I was doing a Sylvester Stallone impression. Okay, um, it was great. Could you tell the difference? Probably not. Ooh. Um, 
these are two very different <laughs> actors slash personalities. Um, very different. Like Stallone, like he's a very like he's like how do you describe Sylvester Stallone? He's like the not to say that he's unintelligent, but I think that he's the dumb man's actor. Like he oh, no. plays, but he plays people that just seem dumb and sound dumb. But despite the way he sounds, like he does amazing things and like can be smart and can be an action star and can be rocky, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think he's overcome a lot. Like he wrote his own narrative. Like he wrote Rocky. Like, I do think that's really cool. Like I'm not huge on the Rocky movie. Um, uh-huh. I've only seen that one. I do want to kind of rewatch. I want to watch all of them, mm-hmm. except Abby is not her, her father forbids that anyone in their family watches Rocky five. So I won't, I won't be allowed to watch that one, but I do want to see the other ones uh, and the Creed ones. Cause Creed comes out this week, I think. True. Yes. Um, Creed three. Mm -hmm. But um, I do think it's really cool that like he couldn't get roles like because of his voice and like, because of Uh his specific, like, like just like the type of guy he was. So he wrote a movie to like fit to his strengths. And I think that's really neat. And I respect that a lot. And I love how the city of Philadelphia has just like made Embraced this fictional him. character. They're like mascot of the city. Like that's it's awesome. awesome. Yeah. Have um, you ever been to the Rocky statue? It's pretty cool. Never been to Philadelphia actually, but they, all right, Tim. Man, they've been having a rough year, huh? They lost all three of their sports championships this year, which is pretty tough. Oh uh, yeah. The Phillies, the Eagles. What was the third one? Their soccer team. Oh, they soccer. Have, they also lost. Ah, it's tough. Well, I it's know. gotta be the uh, flyers year then, right? Maybe. Maybe. Or the Sixers. The Sixers always break hearts, though. Um, so I mean, I feel like he is pretty one note, though. I, yeah. I don't know the in turn like he's had a really cool latter half of his career, just in terms Spike of Spike Kids 3D. Yeah, of course. Yeah, one of the best films ever. Pawns also physically the, disabled. This the suicide squad. Oh god, yeah. As King oh, Shark. Yeah. Very fun. Yeah, I think so that's a good one. So he's had a good, like, he's definitely stayed culturally relevant. Totally. But in the same way, so is Jeff Goldblum. Oh, absolutely. I think I think it's obvious where we're heading with this. Yeah, but, like I mean, definitely I you could argue that Stallone did more for cinema and more for himself, but I still think Stallone in terms of just the kind of actor he is is totally more well versed and does done more fun things other than the action franchises and things like that. Yeah, Stallone definitely has like the Rocky movie, like the sports movie, right? Yeah, but I think Goldblum is definitely more versatile. Even though he is really quirky and kind of like doing himself in a lot of movies, like in being unapologetically himself, like he still is more of a chameleon. Um, yeah, com- like he can tone it back. To like, Stallone. Yeah. yeah, like the fly, like he's a completely different. Totally, totally. the big chill things like that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, all you really know Sylvester Stallone from, like on its surface, is Rocky and then like Rambo and yeah, and things and ants, of course. Of course. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, all respect to, to Rocky, but I think we're going to go with uh, Jeff Goldblum for week two, huh? Sweet. We love that. Nice. I, I'll throw in another uh, sound bite right here of him making noises. Oh, oh thank you. There it is. And uh, <laughs> wonderful. Jackson, let's move on to fantasy filmography update real quick for everybody. <laughs> um. Fun week this week. Um, I dropped the movie that I got from Jackson just a week ago. I know. And I picked up uh, one that I 
thought sounded more fun to me and my tastes. I dropped, I saw the TV glow and picked up Problemista, which is a Tilda Swinton film coming out at South by Southwest here in a couple weeks, which is exciting. Um, but our week six update is that I am currently in how many people sixth right now out of eight, uh, you and Co- Corbin have not have any points yet for no- any movies yet. Yeah. That'll change very soon as some of your when's, movies. When's our first movies coming out? Do you know offhand? Yours will be at South by Southwest. You're getting Tetris and evil dead rise are debuting there. Let's so go. We'll have some, uh, some numbers from you. Corbin's. I don't think is till air, which is in April. So. Dang. Which is the uh, Matt Damon Ben Affleck movie about Air Jordan? Um, so that'll be that. But I'm currently in sixth with uh, one film, just sitting with Infinity Pool still. Brian has entered the chat, and Creed Three is looking like a arousing success at the moment. That's um, exciting. It's already the top performing movie in our draft as of now, and it doesn't have any box office numbers yet or anything like that. So I'm interested to see what it does at the box office. Could take down Ant Man. Uh, to dethrone it at top of the box office um, in its third weekend. Um, Ant-Man did have a terrible return on second week. Yeah, the like, worst, I think it was one of the biggest drops for a I superhero think, movie. I think it's the worst of Marvel. Like the worst drop of Marvel. It was a of like I MCU think a, Marvel or like, like I, yeah the MCU do better? Marvel. Okay, yeah, like I think it was a seventy percent drop from weekend one Crazy, to weekend man. two. So I don't know if that movie's even going to cross five hundred million. Which would get a bonus point for it if it crossed five hundred million, right? Did the other Ammons do that? Yeah, I think the other Ammons were pretty successful, actually. Okay, um, but I guess those were different times when we didn't have Marvel fatigue yet. Yeah, maybe? and Ammon and, and the Wasp know. was sandwiched between the Avengers, like the third and fourth Avengers. So, like naturally, that's going to do better. Yeah, you would think. So, but what can you do? So, yeah, looking forward to seeing that movie this week and seeing how that returns and if those numbers start to level out. Cody in fourth place with two movies out. Uh, he's got um, he's got Sharper still, and he's got mm-hmm. Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey as as well, which is going to be the <laughs> Film Bro Award winner. I'm pretty sure because I don't know if we were expecting this to be bad, but Jeff in third with You Hurt My Feelings and Cocaine Bear, which seems to be a just a fun B movie hit for people, yeah. um, like bad in a good way, whereas Winnie the Pooh seems just bad in a bad way. Um, so then, so he is in third, Matt is in second with two films with, of course, Ant-Man and early reviews for this Willem Dafoe movie called Inside, where he gets trapped in this apartment for a long time and, uh, debuted at the Berlin Film Festival this weekend. So we got a little return there. And of course, David volume shooter in first place still with his four, (laughs) his four movies and soon to be, uh, he'll have. Next weekend, Jackson, uh-huh. the weekend of March 9th, um, he has Champions and 65 coming out. So oh, he'll have no. six movies out, and we're not even to April. So good Champions for David. looks like it could be really bad, if I'm being honest with you. I, I know. It looks, uh, yeah. It's mainly especially... because it's directed and, I think, written by Peter Farrelly, who wrote and directed Green Book. So that's not a good sign. Ooh. It's also kind of concerning to me that Woody Harrelson went on, like, a weird anti-vax rant on SNL, like, a week ago. Oh, did he? I didn't. I haven't seen yeah. watched SNL at all this season. And now he's like, I don't know. It, it just kind of looks bad. I don't know. Dang. Well, we'll see. Kayla I like him. Triangle. I, know, I do like her. Yeah. But, yeah. But yeah, we'll it's see. Also weird seeing her in like, <laughs> this sounds so weird because I really do love her as an actress. 
because I'm so used to D Reynolds being like, <laughs> everyone thinks she's so disgusting and she's like one of the worst people in the world. It's so odd to me to see her as like a love interest type character. <laughs> yeah. It's kind um, of so much respect unnerving. to her. I think she's great, but like it is, yeah. it is so jarring to me every single time. <laughs> Very fair. Um, so yeah, um, he's got a lot of that coming down the pipe. And yeah, your first movie will be, you'll be getting Evil Dead and Tetris coming up soon. So sweet. You'll be on the board soon. And Corbin will just have to sit there until April 6th when he has to go up against the Super Mario Brothers movie, which I'm Hell yeah. scared for him. I think that's going to be a billion dollar movie, if I'm going to be honest with you. I think so too. I, I think easily a billion. Yeah. Man. I think it'll be, I think, hot take. I think it will be Illumination's most successful movie, period. Ooh, got to pass Minions, right? And Despicable Me, all that stuff. Yep. I think, I think so. I think it's just as a broad fan base and everyone mm-hmm. loves Mario. So, mm-hmm. and it looks good. And it looks good. Yeah. <laughs> Which so, is crazy. Very exciting. Um, Amazing. That's our fantasy filmography update. And uh, am I missing anything, Jackson? Did I forget anything? I don't think so. Amazing. I'm just going to preview quickly what's coming up in the next two or three weeks for the peeps. Mm-hmm. Um. Next week, Jackson and I are going to do a live little March Madness bracket a la Selection Sunday coming up. Uh, we're going to do a little actor bracket that we're going to pick from the cinephile cards that Jackson has over there. We're just going to randomly pick 64 actors, and then we're going to pit them against each other and discover the first one to be in our Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. So excited for that. We'll do that live next week. So look forward to that. The week after... Oscars recap, which will be super fun, which by the way, uh, March 12th is both the Oscars and selection Sunday. And I'm freaking out. It's very stressful. It's like two of my super bowls in one day. <laughs> so I got so exciting. Yeah. So I got to figure out that. So we'll do our Oscars recap after the show. We'll see what's up there. And then we will cover, which I'm not sure how I feel about the movie at this time. Shazam fury of the gods. Uh, Trailer we'll doesn't that. have me excited, but no. we'll see. I'm just going to probably sing the praises of Rachel Zegler on the pod and nothing else, but I will see the movie. We'll see how it goes. Um, But yeah, that'll be it. And then we'll be back to uh, RCR top 100 after that, I believe. So exciting month of March ahead, Jackson. And with that, where can they follow us on Instagram to see what we're doing in March? They can follow us on Instagram at rough cut underscore pod and they can click our link tree they can see our website and our twitter which is at rough cut underscore co give us yeah. a follow there as well retweet us yeah. like us favorite us follow then, us then you can uh yeah you know follow us on uh spotify or apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and letterbox uh, follow us on letterbox yeah follow us on letterbox we got good yeah. stuff over there you get can a letterbox see follow us yeah you can read when me and jackson like subtly go after each other in reviews it's really fun like, i changed my profile photo i don't know if you noticed you did but I, oh i did i need to go check it out i think jeff has inspired me friend of the pod jeff and i guess corbin too no more just uh, pictures of us let's get some weird characters <laughs> that we really like and make them our profile photo yeah i do I like jeff I have seen Jeff's. He's got Kermit. Yeah, Kermit with a little cowboy hat on. Yeah. That's good stuff. And then what's Corbin? Does he have Corbin, uh, Catch Me If You yeah, Can, right? It is, yeah. Nice. And then I went with a classic Christopher Reeves, um, Clark Kent. So very nice. Uh so yeah, check us out there. And also hop over, 
this later this week. Check out Cody and Corbin have a podcast and listen to me over there. Talk basketball for a change. Should Heck be fun. Yeah. And Jackson and I are on there all the time. Jackson talks about stuff. Check out his Palm Springs episode. It's a great listen. Oh, that is a fun one. Yeah. I had a fun with that. And yeah, go check us out over there and yeah. check us out here. And we love you very much. Thanks as always. In case I don't see you. Good afternoon, good evening, and good night.